Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. No matter where you are in the world, I'd like to welcome you back to another episode of Whose World Is This? with Junior Renee Bobrun. Thank you guys for tuning in. If you are a first-time listener, I'd like to welcome you to this ongoing conversation that is now in its 53rd episode. And if you are a returning listener, I'd like to welcome you back and thank you again for lending me your ears as you've done time and time again. Um, today is December 4th, 2021. You guys are probably going to hear this by December 6th, that Monday, the Monday that's coming up. And, um, took a couple of days off. I wanted to let that, uh, will your holidays be happy episode sort of marinate with people. The last, the previous episode I did, um, I've been actually doing some legwork on that particular episode and it's been, it's been doing well. I've, uh, shared it on several message boards. I shared it with some friends and, um, I just thought it was a very, very important episode. And I said to many people that I'm going to be speaking about family, community, uh, how to navigate through these divisive times up until January 1st, because we are in the holiday season, regardless if you're celebrating Hanukkah, if you're celebrating Christmas, Kwanzaa, doesn't matter, or whether you don't celebrate these things at all, it's still going to be a time for families to get together, regardless of religious domination, you could, I mean, it's a denomination, I'm sorry, religious domination, that's a Freudian slip. Uh, but regardless, you can be as secular as can be, but this is going to be a time where your family members are off from work, you're off from work, and it presents an opportunity to sit at the dinner table with family, with friends, with people that you probably didn't have an opportunity to sit and speak with last year. So these next episodes up for the next 30 days, well, 26 days of the new year that's left, of, the, of this year, I'm sorry, that's left of this year, the 26 days that are left, I'm going to spend a great deal of time of ha uh, uh, helping us unpack. You know, this show is about th what we do here is in this conversation, we don't use fatuous statements, broad statements, and just leave you with that and move on. We, we, we try to do some, I don't want to call it a deep dive, but maybe a medium dive into certain things and, and provide some perspectives that you may not be getting out there. You know, there are a lot of perspectives. They're very narrow as far as I'm concerned, perspectives that are being parroted. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. There is not enough information out there, not enough perspective, I'm sorry, to come up with an informed opinion about certain things that affect us on a daily basis. We're just not getting that information. Our information has become centralized to the point where even though we have everybody's TikToking and IGing and, and, and everything else, we're s we seem to be woefully misinformed with all the information that we have out there. I think it's becoming even more difficult for people to find, figure out what to believe, what to stand behind. We don't read as much as we do. We read a meme or two. You know, we've, we had an episode about the attention span of the average American and how it's decreased by, I think, more than 20 plus percent, which is huge. We don't sit and read big ideas. Take a whole 250 page book and just sit with it. Not the spark notes or the cliff notes, just sit. But I am speeding, first things first. Hi, I'm Junior Renee Bobrun. This is our platform, and there are a couple of things that I would like the audience to do that are free, 
and that are convenient. One, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, please subscribe. Make sure you subscribe. And if you are subscribed, please make sure that you rate and review the show. Simple. You go on Apple Podcasts, you go on iTunes if it's on your phone, if you have the app or if you're on your desktop. You can go Apple Podcasts, whatever. You can even look me up. Whose world is this? Junior Renee Bobron on Google, and you'll see me on Google and you on whatever your favorite search engine, and you'll see me there. And definitely, it helps the show since you're already listening. And if you've been listening for a while, you probably like what you're hearing. So put that down. You know, rate it and review it. And, and if you're listening on Spotify, just follow the show. I've noticed that I have an overwhelming amount of people that are listening on Apple as opposed to Spotify, but everybody has Spotify. Everybody can get Spotify. Not everybody can get Apple, I don't think. I think you have to have an iPhone or a Mac or I don't know. But in any case, if you can subscribe to Apple Podcasts, do that. If you cannot, obviously Spotify, you can stream the show. I have followers, but I've noticed how overwhelmingly it's Apple. And if you're on Apple, rate, review, subscribe. If you're on Spotify, please follow. Also, you guys know that I've been on this 365-day journaling journey, which started November 1st of this year, 2021. And this journaling journey will end November 1st, 2022. I journal every morning and I journal every night in the gratitude journal that is provided by Chavez House Publishing. It is the Lenore Batista Journals provided by Chavez House Publishing. That's Chavez with an S at the end of Chavez, C-H-A-V-S. And I'm journaling every day. So I'm not focused on my chores, focused on my errands, focused on business objectives, focused on anything else except what I'm grateful for. As soon as I wake up and I answer nature's call, boom. I don't go to the fridge. I don't do anything else. I go right to my journal and I start writing down the prompt, what I'm grateful for. What is my quote of the day? And then at night, I also have a prompt to write down what made today amazing or what could have been better. And this is very, very important to center the day around improvement and what you're grateful for as opposed to rolling the eyes and getting out those deep breaths and saying, ah, I can't believe I have another day and I got to go through such and such. It centers you for what's positive in your life. And you keep having enough positive days, you may just have a positive week, a positive month, a positive year, a positive five years, a positive decade. Trust me, the promises that you make to yourself and you write down are 2.5 times more likely to occur. So Christmas or whatever gift sharing or gift giving or gift uh, exchanges, which are about 20 days away. I would encourage you and I would highly recommend that you go and get the gratitude journal from Chavez House Publishing. Go pick one up. Pick it up for yourself, for a friend, for a spouse, for a parent, sibling, co-worker, whatever. Also pick up the Titan Fit journal, which I use for my training log. Every day I put in what I'm training. I haven't slacked off my training, but um, let's just say that um, I've gone every day. But I haven't been as vigorous with, the, with, with my goals as far as what I want to do. So I've been doing my 1.5 miles a day. And I've been consecutive. I only missed two days. I think it was a couple of days. I was missed Thanksgiving. And I missed, I think, uh, the Thursday that was Thanksgiving. And I think that weekend. But I've been doing a mile and a half a day. Every day. 
and that's at least that's just on the treadmill that does not count the walks that I I do throughout my apartment community and the walking that I do so I'm pretty much around <clears throat> more than two and a half to three miles a day which is good not bad right sight but I plan on taking everything into overdrive and I want everyone out there to put themselves first when it comes to self-improvement you have to do the things that are necessary you have to put in the work it's it's incremental steps there there isn't any quick fix there aren't any life hacks shortcuts my mom in her infinite wisdom used to say to me as a kid with her Haitian accent she used to say June there are no shortcut okay no shortcut and as a teenager, you think you know better. You think, eh, yeah, yeah, you did it that way, but there's other ways to do it. And, 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 uh, she was 100% right. There aren't any show, shortcuts. Slow and steady is the way. You, 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 you cross all the T's, you dot all the I's, and you, get fo- and you move forward. And that's what, I'm, that's what I'm doing. There were a couple of things that I just didn't like the direction of, a, of my perspective of a, on a couple of things over the last couple of years. It's been a, an interesting, unprecedented couple of years for many of us. And I wanted to recalibrate to get to the me that I remember and get to the other version of me that I see that I'm like, hey, wait a minute. I have expectations. I have goals. And for me to reach those goals, it's going to take work. It's going to take discipline. It's going to take consistency, even when we're not motivated. How many of us out there want to go to work in the morning? Hmm? Were you just like, yippee? No, but you do it. That's the motivation. I'm sorry. That's the dedication and consistency. You're not motivated all the time. And motivation comes and it goes. Enthusiasm comes and it goes. But when you're doing these things like journaling every day, doing these things like doing your 1.5 miles every day, even if you don't want to do it, that doesn't come from motivation. That comes from dedication and consistency. That comes from saying, this is what I want. This comes from discipline. This is what I want to do. These are my goals. It's not going to be easy, and there are many, many times, oftentimes it's not going to be fun, but this is what I want. When I went and got my college degree, it was not fun all the time. I dealt with broke days, broke semesters, lean semesters where I lost 20, 30 pounds because I didn't have the money to feed myself, but I felt fine as long as I got an A plus or a B plus or an A minus on my grades when I looked at my transcript when I looked at my grades at the end of the semester that was what was important that was the objective and I reached that objective the objective wasn't to oh eat be fit be 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 full it was a get the a get the a by a knee means I know a little corny but it's true so what are your objectives what are your goals write them down let's get it together Chavez House Publishing, Lenore Batista Journals, pick up your Gratitude Journal, pick up your Titan Fit Journal for Men, pick up your Training for Your Best Life Journals for Women. Let's get this going on together. If you have any questions, concerns, suggestions, kudos about the show, whatever it may be, I can be reached at whose world is this 2021 on Instagram. Follow the Instagram, leave me a DM. Let's talk about it. Um, I'm going to start having interviews, more interviews. Like I've said a couple of episodes ago, I'm looking for this show 
to pay for itself. So I will not be purchasing any more equipment out of pocket. But for me to do the phone interviews the way I want to get them done, I'm going to need to purchase a couple of little pieces, you know, adding on, upgrading my my setup such as it is. My setup as it is is great if it's just one-on-one. -on -one. You know, I have, I have done several interviews that you can check back in season one and season two. We are now in season four. But I'd like a better situation, clearer and... Um, I want to get a nice couple of pieces of equipment that actually can help me uh, reach the level of interview conversation sound quality wise that I want. But I want the show to pay for itself. I, so if you want a better show, then things like sharing and reviewing and rating the show and sharing it with a friend gives it the kind of profile that brings in sponsors and advertisers and then all of a sudden I can bring in a lot more of those interesting guests that I want to bring in that's why I can bring in this perspective this show is about all of us I called it who I titled it whose world is this because it's about us that's a question that's a rhetorical question we all have the answers to that question. There is not one answer to it. Each and every single last person listening and those that haven't heard us yet have an answer to that question as to whose world this is. Okay. There's so many things to speak about. I have so many things I want to talk about over the next couple of weeks. There's so much going on in my head to the point where I actually, you guys know, I this show is a stream of consciousness. I usually just rattle on for about 45 minutes and I just maybe I have a couple of keywords written down but this time I had to write down a couple of things because I just said I got to stay on one topic kind of sort of because I don't want to leak 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 into all the other topics of the next week and keep repeating and repeating but you know what I don't mind if a little bit of this gets redundant because this isn't a one-off my shows aren't one-off. It's a stream of consciousness. And I, I keep saying to people, if you pull the thread of all the episodes, you're going to get the common themes and patterns that are throughout it. And I said I was going to make this month, this holiday season, about what we need to do to prioritize our communities, what we need to do to prioritize families, prioritize our neighbors, prioritize the differences that we have between us. We do not allow it to define us or divide us. I'm not singing a kumbaya song. I am surrounded by people I disagree with. That's my life. That's my life. I'm, I'm a Haitian American man from New York City. Do you understand? So in my community, even though I grew up in the most diverse community on earth, which is Queens, New York. It's the most diverse city in the most diverse city. I mentioned that in episode two, season one, New York State of Mind. I spoke about my experience as a New Yorker. I was a minority within a minority within a minority within a minority. <laughs> no matter where I go, this idea of fitting in was, luckily I wasn't looking for that. I was just looking for opportunities and experiences. My, you know, being part of the general consensus or conventional wisdom something never occurred it never occurred to me but I was always somehow on the outside because I'm an American but my parents are immigrants I'm an American but I grew up speaking two three different languages before English I'm an I'm I'm Haitian but yet when I go to Haiti they're looking at me as if I'm the Yankee rich kid from New York City and I'm an American, but black Americans are looking at me and saying, oh, no, he's not really American. Or re So a white Anglo-Americans are looking at me as a black American saying, yeah, you're American, but. 
because there's an American archetype and imagery that we've created. And that image is the white American when we consider American. Truth be told, it is what it is. That's fine. And then the black American is looking at me and saying, oh, well, you Ameri you black, but not our version of black. So this idea that I need, we need general consensus and we need to, you know, um, just, uh, you know, just completely 100% be best of friends despite our, what we consider to be our lines of division. It's, it's not what I'm saying. It's not what I'm saying. I don't, I don't care for that. That's not, what I w that's not what we're talking about. It's about understanding the roots as to why people think the way they think and feel the way they feel, and then you develop an awareness. Because we use the word cultural sensitivities and, and racial sensitivities and gender sensitivities and nationalistic sensitivities. It's about education. It's about illuminating yourself, educating yourself, and being aware. I don't use the word sensitivity. When you're aware of things, that's sensitivity. You are aware of your environment. You are awake to the things that are going on. That's what we do here. That's one of the objectives of this particular conversation and platform that we're having. It's about awareness, awake, illuminating. What do we want to talk about today? Usually, you, know, you guys know I want to, I usually, um, uh, what do you call it? I uh, name my episodes or I title them. I don't know what I'm going to title this episode yet. Not entirely sure. But it's going to tie into something that we've been speaking about over the last couple of months, which is the employment situation in, in the United States, how things have changed, right? Everyone's people, so many people are working from home and remote work, and that's not going to change. Remote workers, now we've accelerated the process where people are going to be working from home now more than ever. Uh, so this episode, I want to speak primarily about the women that are home or the families that are home, the couples, the dynamics. How is that playing a part in rearing your child and child care, things of that nature? Because I was reading an article, and it goes back to this. I don't know what I'm going to title this episode yet, but it's going to deal with this. After I'm done speaking, I think it'll come to me. But let's start off with child care. I was reading this article and it said that the child, the American child care system is broken. And I thought that was a very provocative title. Kudos to whoever, I can't, I'm not going to mention the place where I read it. You guys can, by all means, you know, go um, look it up online if you choose. And this is important for everybody listening. I don't care if you're childless. I don't care if you're not in the market for a if you're a couple and you're not in the market for a child, you're not looking to have a child or you're single and you're like, June, this doesn't pertain to me. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Because it's affecting many, many families. It's, it's affecting the fabric of this nation or how we identify ourselves and, and what we are going to look like in the next 20 years. He said the child care system is broken. So I said, oh, I'm going to read this article. So I read it long article I said huh very interesting and the perspective came from a woman or many women actually who said that uh, when they're looking to get back to when they're looking to go to work um, 
childcare costs are too much uh, during the pandemic, during our recent health event. Uh, one third of the childcare centers were shut down because you know you couldn't have more than such and such amount of people in a room at one time. So those childcare centers are no longer around. They went under because the monies that they were getting, whether it was the PPP loans or whatever government assistance that they were receiving to keep the places open was not enough because just to keep them open, it was enough because it was a lot of expenses that goes with running a childcare business. I know personally because I have several friends in New York City who run childcare businesses, so I know it intimately. You know, it's not that just I know that they run them. I ask the kind of probing questions where I know the expenses behind how to start it and, and, and the costs affiliated with starting one and maintaining one. <clears throat> so the women that were uh, being interviewed and were speaking about child, the child care system, they spoke about how, uh, you know, it was uh, very expensive, um, very difficult to find. Um, once, you know, uh, it was speaking about wanting the, the need for universal daycare things of that nature and um, how there needed to be a federal just a, a mandate that, that's like a, f a uniform state to state contiguous United States program the American program not a state to state program but an American program that allowed women to go to work and have these child care situations uh, subsidized uh, uh, by the government and, 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 and keep the costs as low as possible now I was listening to this and I remember my friends who told me that um so much of their uh how many times uh they would get a newborn baby an infant because the mother had to go straight to work so they would have babies there i remember i was speaking to a friend of mine and, and she had a baby in her hand i was uh she she had a cordless or airpods in and i heard this little child cooing in her arms and i said wait a minute how old is that kid and she said oh five weeks I said wait a minute wait what are you talking about the kid's five weeks old I said uh why is that child with you and not with the mom oh the mom had to go back to work uh-huh I said how long was the mom out of work oh the mom was only out of work two weeks she took her two weeks vacation she took another week and whatever else and now she had to get back to work or the boss was going to get rid of her or whatever the case or get fire her and I just thought to myself hmm interesting and i've heard that time and time and time again and so i you know i'm listening to this article and i'm saying to myself is it the child care system that's broken or is it our economic system that doesn't prioritize family hmm we we don't even really have a federal mandate remember this whole uh, our president right now joseph r biden uh who has this build back better plan he took out um i think um maternity leave or something like that out of his plan and um that was supposed to be in the plan but paid family leave was taken out wait a minute why that's not the child care system that's the american system that says you can't even take off work to have a baby and build better Americans because you got to build Americans. You have to give birth to Americans, right? 
because they're the ones who are going to put into the system in the in 20 years and 25 years and put into our social security system and put into our economy so we need more americans so many people who will be retired in the next 30 40 years you need more americans coming down the pike that are fully functional high functioning contributors to our society that are law-abiding tax-paying consumers I didn't use the word citizens you heard me law-abiding tax-paying consumers because if you're law-abiding and you're tax-paying and you're buying stuff that is enough of, of a prerequisite to be a great American citizen you ain't got to do anything else remember after September 11th I remember Giuliani told us to go shopping George Bush told us to go shopping that's what they told us that's what they told us I saw George Bush and Giuliani I think it was together telling us right after the buildings drop I'm in New York City and that these people told me to go to the store after two after the World Trade Center hit the ground you're telling me to go back and go be part of the trade be part of this exchange of goods services for money okay and we did it because that's what this is about law-abiding taxpaying consumers so we need to keep building or popping out law-abiding taxpaying consumers it becomes increasingly difficult to do that if the parents are not rearing their child and they have to go back to work so when I was reading listening to this thing child care system is broken child care system is broken you haven't you don't have paid family leave as a federal um, legislated you, you barely have two weeks vacation or vacation time legislated you know how difficult it is to actually take two weeks off from work consecutively to take 10 actual days off from work do you know how difficult that is for so many people the employee the employer is saying hey you can only take a week off i'm gonna need you for this it's this season it's the this season it's our busy season it's our that season and before you know it you don't take it off because you're afraid to lose your job because there's that other employee that's not taking any breaks and then your your employer is expecting you to be there expecting you to not take two three weeks off meanwhile the rest of the first world in Europe and wherever else is taking four to eight weeks vacation time they have you know a couple of hours off in the middle of the day for siestas and you're working your tail off to be part of this to be a law-abiding tax-paying consumer so ask I'm asking people out there this is going to be very I'm going to ask a series of provocative questions and question number one when I heard that woman speak about child care and government subsidization, I'm going to say it. Is it the government's responsibility to find child care for a child that you decided to bring into the world? Question mark. Yes, I said it. Whose responsibility is that? We had this conversation. Season one, episode one, the Genesis conversation. And the Aristotelians, the Jesuits, all throughout history, you give me the child between the ages of zero and seven, and I will show you the adult. So I'm asking you, being that we live in a country where by the time that child turns six years old, you don't have to worry about child care or anything else because the public school system will take care of your child for better or for worse. So if you decided to conceive, bring a child to term, and bring a child into the world is that the government's job now to subsidize child care for your choice or is that your choice to have to stay home 
and rear your child. There were women on there saying that, yes, I have this two-year-old and I'm in law school. Whoa. They don't even allow you to work more than 20 hours a week while you're in law school. Don't you think maybe you should have put law school off until maybe that child was of public education years? I'm just saying I'm not I'm not getting in the way of people's choices. I'm saying that your choices oftentimes are dot 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 your responsibility. Just saying. So if me and my fiance decided to have a child, guess what? Who's going to raise my child while I'm out there hunting for food? So now I'm a man. She's a woman. I am in this system like I spoke about. She has she would have to carry a child for nine months and whatever. And and I would like her to be what she was sort of put on this planet to be for a child. In the mammalian species, which we are part of, the mother is the first nurse, the first teacher, the first cook, the first feeder, the first love of the child. I don't know if you're going to be able to be all those things if you're giving your child to a $10 an hour child care worker three weeks after birth. I know. I know, June. I'm the guy. I'm the male. I know. I know. I'm not supposed to be in this conversation, but I am, because guess what? I know a lot of high-earning men who don't have their wives working when they're children, because they're saying, I got to go out there and work that 60, 70, 80 hours. And I'm going to marry, the, and they make a deal with a woman and say, hey, listen, I'm going to put you in the brand new Navigator or the brand new Expedition or the brand new G-Wagon or Range Rover. And you're going to rear my children while I'm out there hunting for food. You're going to be what they call the soccer mom. And that woman says, fine, I'm going to make sure that we're raising some competent, conscientious, uh, 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 law-abiding, tax-paying consumers. They're going to put back into the system while he's out there sacrificing because he doesn't get to be the dad he wants to be. Somebody's got to sacrifice. And the reason why I bring this up is because after I read that article... There was another article by a woman who um, she wrote this op-ed piece and it's called Why Women Can't Have It All. And I was like, whoa, what's this? Because it, it set me down a rabbit hole. We're talking about family now, people, because we're living in interesting times where people are going on strike and women are spending more time with their children and they're realizing, whoa, I prefer this. And I can speak anecdotally and I can speak from the statistics and the things that I read all the time and the people that I know that are saying, I prefer this. I'm, I'm, I'm actually spending time with my child during the times I never see them. I never see my child between 8 a.m. and 3 p.m., Monday through Friday. And I'm actually learning more about my kid and my kid is learning more about me during the day. I prefer this. So this woman wrote, she was a UN, she was working, she had a high paying government job. She was working in DC and this, that, and the third. I mean, it was, it was a great story. And she said while she's, you know, creating these events for heads of state and the most powerful people on earth, all she could think about was her teenage son. And all she could think about was her, was his grades and how 
he was you know skipping assignments and she was receiving emails from his teacher and the they had just spent the summer where she noticed that there was a growing distance between her and her child and she realized that there were some formative years that she was going to be missing out on because of these 60 hours whatever work weeks that she was doing and all the travel that she was doing and she said her husband was being great he was you know he moved his schedule around and he was being that parent and etc etc and she said wow I don't think I can have it all and she said she spoke about this with a female colleague and that female colleague said you can't say that to all the young girls that are coming up this that and the third but this woman was saying she's hearing it more and more and more from people women around her and sh and that and that voice inside of her kept screaming it louder and louder to the point where she said I can no longer spew these fatuous ambiguous big idea broad generalizations that you can have it all because you can't it's going to be a major sacrifice no matter how you slice it and as far as I'm concerned when you bring a child onto the planet there's certain things that you wanted that you're gonna sacrifice you have to sacrifice because that child didn't ask to be here you said that you were in the right space financially emotionally spiritually academically where you could take care of this child and you can put that child first once you give birth that child comes first once two people a man and a woman there's certain things that you that you wanted to do you may have to put them off it cannot compromise the quality of care loving attention and guidance that you're giving that child just saying I know it sounds crazy June is being this traditional we don't have that world anymore June, June Oh, yeah? Well, let me explain something to you. The Department of Juvenile Justice said that um, one of the leading causes of juvenile delinquency is single-parent households. Yeah. Well, you don't have a partner and you're not working together and someone's not home with that child. Where's that child going to learn from? Who is that child going to learn from? You are the first teachers and the first loves and the first guidance counselors, the first psychologists, the first everything. And if you're not around, they're going to learn from secondary peripheral sources. This is what's being lost in our society today. This idea that you can have it all. I agree. You can have it all. Dot, 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 addendum. You can't have it all at once. You may have to postpone something. You want to give, you want to have children, you may have to postpone it. But if you do have the children, that other stuff you wanted to do, you may have to postpone that until they reach a certain age. Yes, I said it. Why am I saying it? Because lo look at the system and how it's constructed. When you hear about subsidizations and who's going to pay for it and it's supposed to be free, I said it before in our last episode. There's no word in the English language that is more expensive than the word free because there's no such thing. Someone, somehow, somewhere is paying for it. Now, let's break down the child care system for a moment. Let's forget about the fact that what I said, our economic system is broken. We keep saying that there's supposed to be a work-life balance. Both parties say that they're uh, family first, but yet you still have a 40, 50-hour work week because you have to include the commute back and forth to work. People are still working five days a week. They don't get to see their children until four, five, six o'clock at night. Then you get them, you get their dinner 
get them their dinner and everybody goes to bed within two, three hours. And that's supposed to be family time. Or they're going off to play a sport or play an instrument and you're driving them around like a crazy person. And on the weekends, you're you're driving them to soccer games and band practice and instruments and language and math camps. And you're not really learning your child. Your child is doing everything else except bonding with you. And before you know it, that child is in the double digits. And that child is 10, 11, 12, 13 years old, acting differently. And you're saying to yourself, who is this kid? And that's a very good question. Because you don't know that child and that child doesn't know you. Because you're only given a tiny bit of time. Five days on, two days off. I have already told you several previous episodes that the work week is antiquated that it should be no more than four days on and three consecutive days off at the very minimum consecutively three days off that the work day is too long it should be six hours a quarter of your day of your 24-hour day six hours of actual work getting to work Preparing for work, getting to work, and working should be a total of six hours. That means I'm getting paid for my commute. I'm getting paid for my prep. The hour it takes for me to get to work, the 30 minutes to prepare, the 30 minutes to commute, plus the five hours of labor I'm giving the employer. That's one-fourth. And then right after that, I'm out the door. That's it. And I'm out the door to be with my kids, to take my kid out for lunch during a school day. How many parents were telling me over the last year six seven eight months of this year saying june you have no idea how great it felt to go to the park and have like a little picnic lunch you grab a couple of bagels and some juices and some fruit and they went to the park and had lunch together with their kid while their kid was homeschooled and they were and, and the parent was remote working said it was the greatest thing ever yes there's a lot of downfall a lot of pitfalls i mean cons to that because the kids are home and you have to pay attention to them especially if they're in their uh you know, they're toddler or they're three, four, five, six, seven, eight years old and they're running around and they're, you know, doing what they do. But you know what? That was better for many, many people than what they had before because our free educational system is failing our kids. <laughs> so that glorified daycare that we call sick, um, um, first grade to 12th grade it has us lagging behind in the first world to the point where we're barely middle of the pack when it comes to everybody else. Why is that? Why is that when we have the richest country on the planet? Why is it that in the state that I'm residing in at the moment that the district that pays teachers the most has a starting salary for a teacher at $38,000 per year? That's a teacher with a master's degree. That's about five to six years worth of education after high school that you must have just to make 38K a year. And these schools are 20K a year. And you have to take out student loans and all of these things. So when I heard that the child care system was broken, I said, no, no, it's no more broken and no less broken than our way of looking at family in this country. No more or less broken than the way we distribute uh, labor in this country. I didn't say wealth, but labor. That you have the worker working 40, 50 hours, but they don't have any equity in the company outside of their wage. 
Why am I working so much and I'm not getting a piece of this pie? I'm, I, I saw the quarterly earnings statement. We're doing pretty well. Like, wait a minute. I should be making way more. Or, you know what? Keep that money. And I should be working. I, instead of making way more, I should be working a little bit less. How about that? Because if you have a family and you have a child on the planet, you should be thinking about that. So when people say, you know, of oh, the gender gap and the gender gap in pay and this, that, and the third, we're in a system where maximum output is what we're looking for out of people. We're looking to take every single hour out of a person that we possibly can. That's what we're looking to do. So when that man gets his MBA in business or whatever, let me, let me, guide, let me tell you guys a story. I was working on Wall Street, got a job over there uh, years ago. And I remember when I walked in, uh, I was considered a threat because I shook hands with the, the fellow males in the office. They didn't know who I knew and they didn't know how hard I was going to work. So everyone in, in on Wall Street is on pins and needles because it's about who can outwork, who can out hustle and who can outsmart your fellow employee, your colleague because it's dog eat dog. There's one apple, we call it the big apple, and we're all trying to get a piece of that apple. We don't think that there's an apple orchard. We don't treat New York City as an apple orchard, even though New York State has a bunch of apples. No, 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 no. We don't treat it like, oh, there's an apple tree. We all have an apple from this tree. We all can pick one. Some are lower, some are higher, some have fell to the ground, some are ripe, some are overripe. No, 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 no. New Yorkers, New York City, people the city folks such as myself we look at new york city as if there's only one apple and you can't have it so when i walked into these jobs first i was being treated you know at, at arm's length you know he's the new guy we don't know if he's a spy we don't know who he knows we don't know what sort of nepotism got him in here we don't know how hard he works you know when they became friendly with me when they realized that i was going to come in at eight, and I was gonna leave at six. You know what that meant, ladies and gentlemen? June's not a threat. Because if June starts his shift at eight, and June leaves at six, he's not a threat for promotion. Because the people who come in at eight and leave at six on Wall Street, they're not the ones who get the senior financial analyst positions. It's the guys who come in at 4 a.m., 5 a.m., and don't leave till 9 p.m. Day after day, week after week, month after month. Those are the guys who get senior this, VP of this, assistant to the VP of that. They're the ones. Soon as they realized I was the guy that's like, I got another life when I'm not here. I'm ambitious, but this, this is just my little hustle. When they realized that June was going to come in at eight, and I didn't realize it at first. I said, why are these guys treating me? Now all of a sudden, it's all good. And it's when I realized that I was at the job. When I got in at 8, there were guys that were already there three hours earlier. And when I was leaving at 6, there were guys that were waiting. They were there for, they were there for another three hours. How did I know that? Because the next day I'd see them. I'd go, hey, man, how late did you stay yesterday? They'd be like, oh, man, I, I didn't leave here until about 9, 10 o'clock. I'm like, what? And, and they were like, hey, June, man, we should go out for drinks, man. You should be, you stay in the city, man, so we can go out later. I said, so what time are you getting off? They were like, I'm getting off about 8, 9. I'm like, dude, I'm going to be home. I'm going to already have had dinner. It's an, it's an hour and some change commute from my home to, to, to where I was working on Wall Street. Hour and change. 
public transportation commute. I said, I'm going to already be home and I'm already going to have my meal by the time you get off work and you want to chill. And they would laugh. We became pals, chums. And the reason why is I'm no longer a threat. That's your America, people. That's what this country respects, people. So that man that's going out there hunting for food from 4 or 5 a.m. to 9 p.m. just to show the bosses that he's willing to do whatever it takes to get that position, to get more money so he can provide for himself and get as far away from the average cost of living and inflation as possible so he can provide. Guess what that man needs? He is going to need a woman that's on a program where it's like, hey, sweetheart, I'm going to need someone to be there for our babies because I'm not going to be there for our babies. So I'm going to be at work and I'm going to be the protector provider. But you can't be at a job as well. And then we're spending 20, 30, 40 percent on of your salary or whoever are uh, the salary on child care. Because childcare in the city is six, seven, and some, some, some odd dollars a month is $200 a week. And you're, you're leaving our kid in the hands of a $10 an hour employee. So who's supposed to be subsidizing our decisions to create babies? That's our responsibility. We need a shorter work week, then we may not have these problems. Because people are deciding that they can have it all and then they're realizing they can't have it all and then they're asking the government to say, hey, listen, I need some tax breaks. I need some subsidies. No, no. If you want subsidies, subsidies means it's being paid for by someone else. You're being subsidized. That means someone else. If, if I have a car and someone else is paying the car note, that means my car note is subsidized. It's not free. That car is not free. Someone is paying for it. They have to find a way to get the money. And they're getting the money from somewhere else. And that money's coming from somewhere else. And then the band plays on. So I'm asking, who's supposed to be paying for all of this? Is it the child care system that's broken? Do we have to start looking at things differently? If you have an educational system that only deciding to pay teachers poverty levels for five, six years of education, if you have child care workers that are only making $10 an hour and the costs that are associated with owning a daycare or child care, you have to make sure you have the proper facilities. You have to make sure that if, if you have if you if you decide that you're going to have a child care facility in your home and it's in a big city, you have to create this a different space. You have to have different electrical grids oftentimes. You have to have the fire escape. You have to have extinguishers. You have to have permits, fees. Then you have to hire employees. And there are only so many kids that you can have. You have to have one trained adult for every three infants or every four infants. And then one trained adult for every toddler that's over the age of such and such. And so you have to have other employees there to make sure that you are providing maximum care. And then you're also providing uh, treats and, and, and toys and, and food for the kids. You know, sometimes if, if it's an infant, you know, there's formula and milk and stuff like that. But oftentimes these daycare centers, they have little treats and lunch times and nap times. You have to have enough beds, have to have all of this stuff that people don't think about. So this child care is a business. And for that business to turn a profit, 
they're going to have to charge you a lot of money because it's a business. It's not a benevolent fund. It's a business. Those people have a passion oftentimes for taking care of children. However, it's a business. And then the cost, the employee, the cost basis of an employee's wage at $10, $11 an hour, sometimes 9 to 11 to $12 an hour, what do you think the quality of the employee is going to be? You're leaving your most prized possession with someone that's making 11 bucks an hour. Just saying. If I were to email the people who wrote that article, I would love to do an interview and say, child care system isn't broken. Maybe the child care system is reflecting how we're treating each other as workers and as people. <coughs> I think that we should lower the... Um, if you have enough vacation days, y people talk about Europe. And they say, oh, yeah, you know, Paris and France and, and Sweden, you know, you the, a mom can take a year off and, you know, child care sometimes out of pocket is only three, $400 a month. Yeah, but in France, guess what? Some of the highest taxes are in Sweden, Norway, and France. So guess what? We're going to pay for it somehow. We're going to pay for it. And it's going to come out of our checks. And then we're going to have to ask ourselves at that moment, you know, what is it worth? What is the economic expense? We have to ask ourselves how much of the decisions that we're making that we're going to put on government subsidies and subsidization. We have to be more prudent and we may, we may have to be more prudent and we may have to be more practical because we can't have it all dot, dot, dot at once. We can't. You can't have the law school year and have the toddler at the s and the infant at the same time. Sorry, unless you have a parent, a grandparent, an uncle or an aunt that has decided to watch them. But for you to decide that I'm gonna, you're going to give it to someone who's making 10 bucks an hour to be around kids that your child has never met, you have to ask yourself a question. Who's supposed to pay for that? <coughs> That's what I wanted to speak about because I wanted to speak about family. Because this conversation is not a, just a conversation that I'm, ha that, I, that I'm reading about. I'm speaking about the single women that I know that are in corporate America right now. And they've only been in corporate for four or five years. And they're finished. You know, we graduated college. And then four or five years later, you're in your 30s or you're turning 30. And you're saying, wait a minute. I was told to, 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 to run after this job you know, don't get in, don't start a family until my 30s and this, that, and the third. And, and, and guess what? Here you are. You turn 29, 30 years old. You're five years away from geriatric pregnancy, and you don't have any real prospects. You learned how to be a good employee. You learned how to be a good student, but you didn't learn about family. No one was out there telling you about family. And then here we are in the middle of this health event with quarantines and shutdowns and political divisiveness and now the family unit is fractured now certain people can't go to such and such as house because they said something about you and you're unjabbed and the unjabbed said something about the jabbed and now you guys can't eat the big piece of chicken together at the table this is what's going on people i'm tying it all in i'm tying it all in it may seem like june how'd you go there no i'm tying it all in 
We have people that are home from work. We have parents that have decided, I'm homeschooling my child. You have certain teachers and professors and, and people who have said, I'm no longer teaching in the school system as long as they're telling me how to treat my body. So we're having conversations about autonomy, about sovereignty, about communal or, uh, obligations, citizens, citizen obligation. There's a lot of conversations right now. Democracy is at work at the moment. We're going to speak about that in the next episode. Hint, hint. Because I have, I have a couple of friends of mine that are not happy with the unjab. They're not happy with certain things and how they're going. And I'm saying, welcome to democracy at work. We haven't been used, used to seeing a messy democracy. But yet, when you see people taking to the street for various reasons and having the freedom and the right to assemble and convene, and convene the right to speak, the freedom to speak, the freedom to assemble, and the freedom to make choices. Ah, welcome to Democracy 101. And just because you don't agree with them does not mean they don't have the right to speak, because they do. They have the right to abstain. They have the right to protest. They have the right to say no. And that goes back to what we spoke about in the beginning. We don't have to agree. I did a podcast, uh, I did an interview on YouTube with, uh, his name is uh, Todd Showalter. And uh, Todd Showalter, he has this uh, 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 podcast, it's called The Right Mind. And uh, you guys should check it out. And he speaks about the right to disagree, uh, we don't have to agree. And he's from, I think, St. Louis, Missouri. I think he's from Missouri. And um, we had a great conversation. He's an older gentleman. And we don't come from the same walk of life. We don't come from the same region. But it, that doesn't matter. We can have conversations. And on, there are certain points that we were aligned with each other. And there were other points where we were not. But we were having a conversation. And if the conversation went longer, we would find more things that we agreed and disagreed with each other with. But we're giving each other the space with which to speak about those things. And that's why I'm having this conversation now. I know it's a bit provocative you, you know i'm a man speaking but i'm speaking on behalf of men that are that 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 if they want to start families that there i have certain expectations if i have a child and if i decide to have a child if, if me and my woman decide we're gonna we, we want to raise a, another another human being we want to bring another human being i bring them into our midst i understand that that's a responsibility that I'm not going to shuffle off to someone else because I still got things to do. You don't compartmentalize parenting. That's me. That's me. Those formative years, parents, you lose your child. So those, you lose your child if you're not there for those formative years. Because your child then enters into a grander social situation and expanded in a broader social situation with friends from school and their peer group. And now they're no longer really looking for your acceptance. You fall secondary in the apex of acceptance. Now it's the peer group. So many kids fall to what? Peer pressure. There's so many kids now that now you have bullying and harassment and an increase in suicides and depression because they are ostracized from peer groups. No matter how much mommy and daddy love them, they're getting bullied on Facebook and they're deciding that they're going to end their lives based on that. No matter how, no matter how big the house is, 
no matter how nice the suburb, the bucolic suburban environment is, no matter how safe their school is, no metal detectors, no this, no that, awesome, woo, all the bells and whistles. But just because they're ostracized from the peer group, these children are committing suicide at a high rate. You know what that is? Foundationally. What's the foundation built on? If, we, uh, if, if, if it was your career that came first, that means you put that child second or maybe third. And guess what? We're seeing the outcomes of that play out. Yes, I went there. Yes, you, you better believe that I went there. You better believe. Because I know a lot of men. I remember I was living in Palm Beach for over a decade. And I met, I know a lot of guys. Doctors, lawyers, businessmen with the Porsche in the front and the boat in the back. And if they owned a business, their wife was helping them run their business. She was doing the books and being there for the kids. That was a job. Like, no, no, no. Somebody's got to be there for the babies. Because it's like, no, no, no. I'm not outsourcing the, 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 the guidance to some stranger. We're not doing that. The most essential part of our beings is, extend, uh, is, is, is our families, are the people that are close to the people that we love. It's us and our family. So I'm saying to everyone out there, 2022 is going to be an important, important year because so many of my quote-unquote career-minded women who also wanted to be family women and have a husband and children and have the white picket fence and the husband that was making a certain amount of money and such, etc. Yeah, guess what? A lot of people are furloughed. <laughs> these, uh, these college degrees aren't worth the paper that they're printed on. They're trying to give you $15 an hour after you spent $20,000, $30,000 a year on an education. Guess what? It's not as bucolic as we think. Something is going to have to get put off. And we have to ask ourselves, we may have to start rerouting what we want out of this world, out of this society. That's why I am in solidarity with the employees that are taking to the streets looking for better work environments. They're pushing, but as far as I'm concerned, they ain't pushing hard enough and they need to broaden the conversation. You just saw that your president, Joseph R. Biden, in the middle of all of the things that are going on in our world today, when you hear both parties eschewing about uh, 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 family and we're about family and we're about family unity, fellow Americans, fellow Americans, you take parental leave out of the better build better build better act. No, build back better act. Really? You, you did that? Thought it was about family. Thought it was about fellow Americans. Thought about I thought it was about the work-life balance. Thought it was about all these things. This is a golden opportunity. Right now. So I'm 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 speaking to the workers that are out there in the streets. I'm speaking to the workers that are not out in the streets. I'm speaking to people that have families. I'm speaking to people that want to start families. You have you have a golden opportunity now. The conversation is opening up. Well, you can say, hey, listen, man, this work week is too long. This work week is too long. Why do I have to wait till the end of the week to have a couple of days off? Why am I five on and two off? No, I want four on and three off. Or I want to shorten the work week. I don't know. I don't want to work. I don't want to work 12 hours over three days so I can have four days off. No, I don't want that. 
I don't want to work 10 hours over four days to work 40 hours. No, that 40-hour metric is already antiquated. There are tons of studies over the last two, three decades that have shown that after the sixth hour worth of work, the employee's productivity after the fifth, sixth hour dips down more than 30, 40%. That people s pretty much stop working on Thursday. Thursday at, Thursday at noon, people have already cashed out. Wednesday, hump, we call it hump day for a reason. Because that Wednesday, people are already tired and fatigued and done by Wednesday, the average employee. Can't wait for Friday. Thank God it's Friday. Think about all these terms. Think about all these terms. The studies have shown we're, we're, we're working harder, we're working longer, but we're not that productive. And then all of a sudden, here we are. We're not as productive as the work hours would, would, would have one believe. And then all of a sudden, people are working from home, and all these CEOs and masters of the universe were like, oh, my God, productivity is going to go down, and blah, blah, blah. People are home. We can't supervise them. We can't have the eye of Sauron just staring down on them. And guess what happened? Productivity was either the same or better. People from home. The morale is up amongst certain employees. They're happier. They feel like, oh, I can go for a walk. I can walk my dog in the middle of the day, my dog who I don't see till late at night. I don't have to pay for a dog sitter and a dog walker and a this, that, and a third, and I get to spend time with my kids. Listen, people, it's time to start really broadening the conversation about what we want our quality of life to look like. Everything I'm saying sounds absurd. And it sounds abnormal until it becomes a normal part of conversation, just like we spoke about in the last episode. That song on the radio that you hated, and all of a sudden you keep hearing it over and over again, and now you know the words. The 40-hour work week was considered a socialist agenda when Henry Ford decided he was going to give his employees the weekend off Saturday and Sunday because people were working Monday through Saturday and only had Sundays off. And you really didn't have Sunday off because Sunday was considered, if you consider it in the most uh, biblical and Christian sense it was the day that God rested so you get to rest but not really most people went to church so you didn't really have that day off so it was six days on one day off when he decided to go from a six days on one day off to a five days on consecutively and two days off consecutively his fellow industrialists and business owners and innovators said oh my gosh have you turned into a communist they wanted to blackball Mr. Ford. And Mr. Ford was only listening to the people on the ground. The people on the ground wanted that. The socialists and everyone else was spewing that already, that the work week is too long. The work week was too long. The work week used to be almost practically seven days sometimes. The only reason why they took off, like I said, that seventh day was because of our, our biblical or Christian in inclinations the origins of our Christian religion in this country and that's the only reason why if it wasn't for that it would be a seven day work week so I'm saying now that it's antiquated and the studies have showed that it's antiquated nail it down if you want someone to work five days I don't think it should be five days it should be four days on four days on six hours a day hmm? 24 hours the full time work day should be 24 hours that should be number one in the conversation vacation time let's up it mandate at least at the very least mandate four weeks vacation bang right there then maternity leave have it six six months 
can have a six-month maternity leave. Hey, the rest of the world is doing it. We're going to have to pay for it. Do you, you do understand that. We're going to pay for it. But so when we're talking about the child care system is broken, I'm like, no, it's not. It's not any more broken or any less broken. It's just a part of the overall system that we are in. And then and what may be broken is the idea that we can do all of these things, all of these things at one time. We have to start reprioritizing what we can and can't do. A lot of the women, like I said, I have a lot of friends of mine that are that are turning 30 or, or that are just just turned 30. They're 27, 26, 28. And then they're going in and I have and, you know, and where I am I, in the South Midwest at the moment, I notice that there's a different kind of relationship with the idea of marriage. Where I am now, people are more inclined to get marriage, married sooner as opposed to when I was in New York City or when I was in Palm Beach County where it's uber competitive. Over here, it's slower. It's more family-oriented. And I noticed your girls in their 20s, 23, they're like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, they're, they're marrying their high school sweetheart. They're, marrying their, they're in college now, and they're dating. They're like, yeah, I'm hoping, this, I'm hoping he's the one. They're not thinking, let me put this off until I'm 30 and all of a sudden Prince Charming from the Hallmark movie or the Lifetime movie is going to come out of nowhere and sweep me off of my feet in happy ending. No, that's not how it's working. It's not how it's working. Based on the salaries that are being depressed, based on um, um, automation and technology that's replacing jobs, it's going to be almost uh, incumbent upon us to with each other sooner because you're only going to be making 40 50 60 thousand dollars a year so you better find somebody else who's making 40 50 60 thousand dollars a year pair that money up so you can be six figures and make it into the future stop playing games let's 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 start thinking practical and pragmatic stop with the hallmark marathon that's television it's it's no more real than an avengers movie sorry marvel I remember I used to date this girl and we were watching something on Lifetime and she said, well, how come you're not more like that? I said, I'm, I'm no more like him than I am like Wolverine. Get out of here. And yes, I can be a little rude. I was like, yeah, Wolverine and this guy are the same, which means it's make-believe. This doesn't happen. I said, do you know anyone living that life? She said, no. So what are we talking about? Why are you asking me why I'm not like a TV character? Do you have someone in your personal life, your, your father, your grandfather, your uncles, whoever else, uh, the, girl, uh, the boyfriend of one of your girlfriends? You're not asking me to model behavior of someone you know. You're asking me to model the behavior of some cat that we're watching on television. It's like, yo, so this is where we are. We have to start looking at this idea that we've told everybody in this country that we can do it all and we can have it all all at the same time. We can't. There are going to be certain things that we're going to have to delay, certain things that we're going to have to f actually forfeit and sacrifice and say, you know what, that's off the table. And, if, and the people out there, I'm going to say it again, if you're having children, you got to put them first. Don't ask where the child care is. You're the child care. I'm looking at it. Let, let, let me put it to you this way. I was reading this sentence, and I thought this sentence was a little interesting. One of the people um, at the Institute for um, Policy Research for Women, they said the systems we have created mean that the bulk of unpaid caregiving falls on women and mothers, and that is affecting work and life outcomes for these women and these families. 
the bulk of unpaid caregiving falls on women and mothers the bulk of unpaid caregiving is falling on mothers <sighs> you want to get paid to be your mom I'm just saying and I know that the majority of the housework and the motherly duties and the duties of being a, a, you know a, a, the housekeeping and things fall disproportionately on women what I'm saying is we're trying to enter into a world where we're entering into this gender fluidity, gender role world different. You're at the end of the day, a woman gives birth, the female of the species, if there is such a thing, right? The female of the species gives birth. The female of the species, after she gives birth, she nurtures and feeds from her breast, from her bosom. She gives life giving milk. That placenta, that umbilical cord, there are certain women that, that, that I knew they, that have natural childbirth, that umbilical cord, they keep it attached for a week or two so that child can have the nutrients from that umbilical cord. There are certain vitamins and certain essential antioxidants that are in that umbilical cord and that placenta. They keep the placenta, they keep it attached. Like what? This is how important the female is of the species to that child rearing, that bond. So giving that child three weeks later to some $10 and 20 cent an hour worker with a bunch of other kids and you're hoping that there's enough people paying attention and giving your child the love and attention it deserves when it's not their child. Your child is a dollar amount. Your child just represents $100 or $200 or $300 for that week and it will be treated as such because that worker is making the same amount of money as that child is, 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 is worth or, or, or they're, getting, they're not getting that $200 a week, some of them. Some of them are only getting that. This is important for you guys out there to realize. This, if, we're, if we're going to get to this next level, which I'd love to see, I'd love to see it. And I'm not speaking for me. Like I said, I'm a business owner. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be all right. My hustles keep me, I'm not going to say ahead of the game, but it's going to keep me in a, in a way where I'm watching, I'm reading all the tea leaves, and I'm going to be all right. These people can't afford me. I wouldn't put a resume out there right now for anything. I only put out proposals and business plans. I don't put out resumes. I'm not updating a resume. I'm not doing that. If someone needs some help with something, I'll be like, hey, man, I'll help you out. You know, give me a couple of dollars. But I'm not going to go out there and put myself out there in this workforce. I know the numbers. and They can't afford me. And they, they're depressing the wage right now because of the desperate worker. And, yes, you've been hearing that, ooh, such and such is paying $15 now. Amazon is paying 15 and retail outlets are, playing, are paying this much. Mm, that's in retail. But in the grander scheme of things, in IT and education and other places, the wages are stagnant, friends. Maybe in nursing, you may be seeing a couple of bonuses, but people are getting fired. And uh, trust me, when you average everything out, the wage is stagnant. So we got to pair sooner and decide, hey, if we're going to have this child. I'm going to stay home for the next five years, six years, and I'll go back to school. Maybe you pair up at 21, 22, right? And say, you know what? So while my child is at school, I'm at school, or I'm finishing my doctorate, or my whatever. 
and I'm going to work, find some sort of flexible, hybridized uh, uh, work situation where I'm taking care of this child. The government's not going to be there for us people. Joseph R. Biden had a had a perfect opportunity right now while this country has been suffering over the last couple of years. Suffering. People have lost jobs. People have lost businesses. People have been furloughed. People are being mandated to do things they don't want to do and decide not to do it and then they're fired after giving. Whether it's police officers, firemen, essential workers, nurses, everyone. Now they're counting on their community. That's why I said this is no time to be arguing with family no time to be arguing with the people that you can actually count on because you're not going to be able to count on your government to do the right thing your do it or else government you're not going to be able to count on these corporations do it or else or, or I'm going to pay you a limited wage I'm not going to allow you to have benefits I'm going to take away your unemployment benefits we're realizing how much how little we control when we allow ourselves to be controlled. These externalities that exist that we have no control over. It's like, whoa, this happened, this happened, you voted this person in. And you would think many people who voted in Joseph R. Biden, which I am not one of them, many people who voted Joseph R. Biden in would think that they would get some parental leave and some benefits for the parents and some subsidies put into their build back better budget thing. And it, when I looked at, I've looked at the budget, and I'm looking at it as we speak. Eh. That's the best word I can do to describe it. It's, in some areas, it's, uh, it's, it's a little bit better than some, but not even adequate. If we're looking at a rubric or a metric that we're saying, is this adequate? It's not. For the rising care of health, rising cost of health, rising cost of car notes, rising cost of, 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 of cost of living. I'm looking, I'm like, this is barely adequate. So people, we have to take care of ourselves and each other. And we have to make more prudent and more practical decisions when it comes to our family, our friends, our child rearing, because all we have is us looking and asking for subsidies. It may mean that you may have to get the cheaper phone plan instead of getting the LX model of the car you get the dx deluxe model not the lux model you get the cheapest cable plan that you can possibly find y you know you're not using uber eats as much we have to spend more time on investing putting our money back in our own pockets and investing in our families and investing in the fact that many of us are not going to see things the same especially during these days and times but that's okay because that person that's in your family, that's on the other side of the aisle, when push comes to so shove, you can still count on them for a loan, a little bridge loan. You, 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 you're a couple of hundred dollars short on the rent or a couple of hundred dollars short on that car note or this, or you know, you gotta get a little caught up. That's who you're going to get the money from. Not Joseph R. Biden, not Van Jones, not Chris Cuomo or Tucker Carlson or Rachel Maddow or Sean Hannity or any of these people that you're listening to that are telling you or, or a, lot, a lot of the podcasts. You're not going to get it from Joe Rogan. You're not going to get it from any. You're not going to get it from them. It's your family. You're not going to get it from Jordan Peterson. It's your family. I'm telling you, you got to get back into your households. You got to get back with the f 
people. The things I'm speaking about now has caused a little bit of angst with people in my family. But guess what? I don't care. I can only be so careful. There's only so much care that I can give to the dialogue before I start convoluting the truths that I'm trying to convey. So some of it may be a little biting because eventually it's like, listen, to get to that point, it may sting just a tad. Not all medicine tastes like a Flintstones chewable. Sometimes the pills are a tad bit bitter. It's okay. So we're going to talk about this later. I'm trying to think maybe the, the, the title should be We Can't Have It All at Once. Maybe I'll do something like that. I don't know. We'll think about it. But in any case, remember what we spoke about, guys. If you're on Apple and iTunes, please rate, sub, review. If you're on Spotify, please follow. Get those gratitude journals from Chavez House Publishing. That's Chavez with an S. Get the, uh, go to Amazon, look it up, get the gratitude journal, start journaling today. Start your New Year's resolution today. Buy one for a family member and friend and get the Titan Fit journal. Get the training for my best life journal. In any case, everyone, be good.